All right, let me make this clear. When Trump becomes president on January 20th, re-elected for the presidency, or on January 20th, re-inaugurated, right? Uh, And uh, whether that's on January 20th or shortly thereafter, as reasonably possible, great things will happen in our country. And that is the subject of this podcast today. This is a podcast you will never forget because I'm going to lay out for you, and Ari will as well, why this may have been one of the best circumstances, this election mess and everything else, this cheating, this massive cheating may have actually ended up being one of the best things for the Republican Party and for Trump and for that matter, America, that ever happened in the United States in the past uh, 100 years. Here's why. If Trump had won outright, even, even if it were a landslide, on November 3rd, and uh, the Democrats, you know, went with their tail between their legs, and they all said, gosh, you know, we really ought to learn from what, uh, what happened tonight, and we really got a shellacking, to use Obama's words, uh, and we really need to listen to the conservatives. You know, that would all be very good. But it didn't happen, of course. Instead, they tried to cheat. They created a whole fiction that somehow this was a fair election, you know, notwithstanding that six states simply stopped counting at approximately 9 o'clock, 9.30, our time here in California. And then uh, with, with Trump way in the lead in all those states, only to find that all of it was reversed by, uh, what, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning the next day. Uh, and then, of course, it's way beyond that. I don't need to go into all the details. We've talked about it so often. Had that happened, that we won outright, we would never have known about the extent of cheating that had happened. We now know, for example, just from the Dominion software, that the cheating was happening also in 2016. Yeah, that's right. And for God knows how much longer before that. Oh, yeah. No, no, clearly. There there were problems with the Dominion software and, for that matter, trying to get away with a lot of crap. I think ever since 2000, I'm sure it was before 2000, don't get me wrong, but because it was so close in 2000 and because of what Al Franken did, when was that? 2008. 2008. Uh, with Norm Coleman, where he suddenly found some ballots in, in a trunk of a car, and then he won, quote-unquote, by 700 or so votes in, in uh, Minnesota. Because of that, they realized they got an appetite for cheating. You know, just like you might get an appetite for getting welfare, and it's hard to get off of welfare, right? You get an appetite for cheating, especially when you get away with it. And they looked around, and they said, you know, this... Uh, this thing that Al Franken's team did, that worked out pretty well. Let's see if we can do that in other races. And you'll never tell me, you'll never convince me that the Orange County seats that were flipped from red to blue in 2018, all the Orange County districts, every single one, were somehow honest elections, especially with the harvest ballots, uh, ballot harvesting and so on like that. And how they were flipped a week later, all of them. Yes. They, they election night, uh, they're as normal, and then they start losing days, weeks later. Yeah. You know, as, it, th- it, as things are conveniently found. 
whenever the numbers start going down for you as a Republican, you know you're on the way out because it doesn't, they, they will not say, well, it, it went from, uh, you know, 7,000 down to 6,000 and then it stopped at 5,000 and the Republicans still won. Nope, nope. As soon as they start having a mass migration of votes downward from where you were, you can rest assured that the Democrats are playing funny with the, the election. Anyway, the point is, that with all these things that have been happening, the, the cheating got worse and worse. Look, there's a friend of mine, and he was in a relationship for, I think, about 10 years. Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, that's all it was. It wasn't married. And he discovered... He, he wondered... Uh, there was a couple of things. She had some strange goings-on. She would leave... Uh, to cross the country a couple times for this or that convention. And he thought it was weird because it was difficult to reach her. But he didn't think anything about it. And then toward the very end of the relationship, he discovered something, I think, on Twitter, a comment that she had made. And it was clear that she had been having an affair. Okay? And not only that, but it was so clear that, that she actually posted pictures with her and her other boyfriend. And it was pretty brazen, Ari. And they, they showed them kissing, all these things. And she had left it on the laptop. It's not as if my friend, you know, was able to, you know, to somehow do a forensic study of, of her Twitter account. She left it open, just didn't bother. And then, of course, my friend discovered this put two and two very quickly together, was easy. He confronted her. She at first lied about it, but she couldn't, she couldn't lie about it. It was a, it was a pure uh, sexual relationship that she was having, cheating on him. I mean, he, he broke up with her instantly. Now, why do I bring up this story? It turns out, as he studied it further, because he was curious, uh, she was very good about hiding and covering her tracks in the very beginning. She felt very guilty and so on. She eventually kind of revealed everything, which is, you know, to her credit. But then as she got away with it more and more, she got less and less careful. It became part of her DNA to simply cheat and not even bother to cover up her tracks because she had gotten away with it for so long. Ari, that's what I'm saying about the Democrat Party now with the cheating. They have been so brazen at the, at the outset, I mean, this, what happened on November 3rd with the ballot dumping, uh, with the over votes and, you know, voting the only for Biden. Of the observers, the covering the windows. It's like, come on. Yeah. It, it, you it, know, it, it how be... comfortable did he get? <laughs> yeah. It could not have been more brazen, right? That, right. That's a, that what we're saying. And, yes. and, and, and you realize that. And here's what I'm thinking is going to be happening. So if, if Trump, no, sorry, when yeah. Trump, yes, when Trump becomes reelected and is re-inaugurated yeah. as well, you're going to see one of the most significant election monitoring overhauls in American history. And the Democrats will not be able to meaningful, meaningfully fight it. He will say, Trump, that all elections in every state, as a federal law, every state must 
uh, have each of the voting participants show their ID if they are there personally. If not, that they are otherwise to fingerprint themselves by way of an absentee ballot so that when they do submit uh, their request for an absentee ballot, they have to show that they're registered to a lawful well, the, place. The, the hold on, hold on. Absentee ballots, let's just... Well, I, I, I would love that. I would love that. But let's just say absentee ballots will be much more minor. They have to have a serious explanation as to why they're voting absentee. can't just be because it's convenient for them. It has to be because, look, I'm in the hospital, or look, I anticipate I'm going to have a surgery, or well, look... I'm a soldier stationed overseas. Exactly. Something like it. that. There'll be many exceptions, but it won't be just because I feel like it. And hopefully it'll be one day of election, uh, uh, you know, voting, and that's that. But whatever it is, there's going to be massive changes in the election system, which, of course, would be fantastic. Uh, there will also not be allowing any uh, computerized systems that are not thoroughly vetted by both parties uh, and, uh, you know, a person group or whatever. Well, forget you know, the party. A non-person group. Administered by the military. With, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm serious. With, uh, with old punch card tabulation, not ink. Punch card. Well, it's so easy the enough. Most, the most reliable. It's easy enough for a, uh, a group, a bipartisan group, to be able to do a forensic analysis of all the, the computers. Now, that's, it's pretty dangerous because you should be able to count them anyway. I mean, had we had people just counting the ballots as they had uh, in pre-computer days, we would have had been done a long time ago, but we're still counting on some of the, some of the counties. It's crazy. It's, it's not... The, 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 the benefits of computers are not revealing themselves, so let's put it that way. And computers uh, offer, offer only a lot of mischief uh, because they can be manipulated. Anytime you're, you're using a computer, you have somebody in the background saying, how can I manipulate this to my advantage, right? Uh, and do this in a clandestine way. Yeah, and that's what I mean, punch card tabulation, which, by the way, was invented around like 1895 or something. Automated ones. Yeah. You know, it was originally built to uh, count immigrants into America. Yeah. It's the most reliable thing, and the only part of the computerizing of this is the machine that goes through and checks the punch cards. Yes, and counts one, one. Yes, one, exactly right. Digitally. Well, that's that's the that issue. That, so that's one thing that they'll do. Then the other thing that they'll do is they're going to go after all these people who played funny with the election system, and there are going to be massive investigations. And massive treason charges. And by the way, um, uh, because I'll say this part, not a lot of Democrats will be left as elected officials after this purge in the country. I'm serious about that. There won't be a lot left. Most the of them the next thing... Having a, a government paid for uh, housing. The next thing I think that we can expect is a full investigation of Biden and Hunter Biden and of, of many of the, the top officials, including Obama. This is a binary process for the Democrats. They are facing a huge issue. You know, they, they talk about somehow that Trump will be on trial, you know, for whatever, God knows what, because they've already tried to impeach him before. didn't work out well. So they would have to find something that happened in the year 2020 uh, you know, in, other, in, other, in order to go after him. Of course, they haven't found anything. Uh, but that's lip service. That, that's projection yet again, because they know that if Trump were to win re-election, yeah, uh, but in their minds, I'm saying, yeah. that they've got a lot of explaining to do, Lucy, as it were. And that's a big deal. That, that is going to really alter the, landscapes, uh, the landscape of American politics forever. There's going to be treason charges. 
there will be people put into jail. Or, or more severe. Or more severe, because it's treason. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's going to be really bad stuff at the end of the day for the Democrats. Now, this goes to the next point, next two points, really. One is that you will see a lot of light shown on what actually happened. There will be a TikTok, a full investigation of what happened on the night of November 3rd, of course, all the planning that went into it. Uh, that is a big deal. And as a consequence, the Democrat Party will either blow up or will have to re reform itself completely. And I don't know that they can, but I'm saying it's one or the other. And the next thing that's going to happen, then I want to hear from you some other things that you think might flow from all this. Um, that I think that one of the major things that will flow from this, very simply, is that there will be a complete migration uh, of many Democrats, millions of Democrats, to the conservative party. If not that, then they will create a new party one way or the other, but people will flow out of the Democrat party because they will be so disgusted. They will not be, uh, want to be associated with such a cheating party. Right now, uh, if, by the way, that's happening right now. I, I'm convinced that millions of people are leaving the Democrat party. They don't believe that this was a fair election and they feel that the failure of the Democrats to even respond to the Republican charges is indicative of the fraud and they want no part of it. So in other words, reasonably minded uh, Democrats, they, they still exist, <laughs> are, are saying, okay, this is uh, a hill I'm not willing to die on and I'm out of here because uh, this is disgusting what I'm seeing. So you're gonna have that. But then when the, for those people who still believe that Biden won the election fair and square, uh, they believe so only because they haven't heard anything about the other side. They've chosen to listen only to MSNBC, CNN, Los Angeles Times, New York Times, uh, NPR, and so on. They've chosen that. I get that. Okay? And if you only listen to those outlets, you won't hear any of the details other than to say, oh, that crazy Trump desperately trying to cling on to power, hoping, and he's lost 49 of his 50 lawsuits, don't you know? Never mind that that's not the actual number. Uh, and they'll, they'll just parrot that back. But then when it's all exposed, right, like, uh, like what happened uh, in the Jim Jones situation, <laughs> right, or, or all those movies where they suddenly realize that the, 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 you know, the, the guy behind the curtain was, was just a fraud, uh, that's when they get really angry. That's what happens. And you'll see a huge outflow of, of Democrats leaving the Democrat Party. Uh, that will be very nice. Now, um, the, the, the Republicans will be strengthened. It'll, it'll show how great the Republican Party really has been. And now we will be able to showcase our very successful economy. We'll deal with the COVID situation as, as one final blow and be done with it. Uh, and America will be great again, once again. This is, this is going to be a great time. If, not if, when Trump gets reelected and re-inaugurated, that will be the flow. Any other things that you can think of before I move on to the next topic, Ari? 
Yeah, I have uh, two or three things. Just about uh, consequences. To, to consequences and to clarify this. Um, there have been different... Uh, cheating has been going on for the Democrat Party for a long time, but in different iterations. So the first real significant example of this was in 1996 in California in Orange County in a congressional race between Loretta Sanchez and Bob Dornan in which illegal aliens started voting illegally. And it was well known that happened. So for many years from that point to, say, 2006, 2008... The, the cheating in California was basically illegal ballots cast. But between two, and, and one other little marker in history was a California state race between someone named Steve Cooley and a name you may have heard, Kamala Harris for Attorney General, in which just like the Orange County situation in 2016, Cooley was way ahead, then a week later. Well, I know, Kamala's but I want to hear about consequences. I'm, I'm getting to the consequences. And that's, that's this, oh, just on background. The point is, states like California and other deep blue states have been cheating for so long that people have forgotten how red they are. And so the flip of all these supposed blue states to being revealed as red will be one of the biggest, or the, to me, that's the biggest consequence. The other thing is that you're absolutely right. A ton of people will abandon the Democrat Party, but the reason I don't think that's as big of an issue as you're saying, is is because with what I just said, the Democrat Party hasn't had that kind of support. The support was a phantom, an illusion caused by the cheating. The other thing, and this is the big consequence that you didn't touch on fully, is the consequence of the Republican Party. Because the Republican establishment, like we see in Arizona and in Georgia right now is also part of it. So the Republican Party will also have a major purge of the non-conservative forces that have been part and parcel of the Democrat yeah. cheating. Yeah, because agree. it's establishment cheating, not so much Democrat cheating. Well, to, to use a uh, kind of um, a good old phrase, I mean, the, the, these are the capos of the Republican Party uh, who uh, play along with the Democrats in order to appease them and in order to make sure that they are uh, that they curry favor with the Democrat Party, whom they believe uh, that they are playing um, uh, safe bets with by by going on their side and saying, oh, yeah, Biden is a certainty. That way they'll gain favor in the future Biden administration, as right. far as they as see. As they have in the past. They will right. feast on the big government crumbs that they purportedly publicly oppose, but never oppose enough to beat say, Paul Ryan, John Boehner, all those kind of people. Romney, yeah. Romney. And one other thing, just a quick note. Uh, yeah, Joe, Joe Biden actually did win an election against Republican. 2012 against Paul Ryan. Mic drop. <laughs> all right. Look, uh, the other thing that it, it occurs to me that this election will reveal when Trump gets reelected and, and re-inaugurated Another thing that will happen is that we will see, and you, you touched upon this just a little bit ago, but it won't just be that Pennsylvania will be revealed to have gone for Trump, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and so on, and Arizona. Uh, it will also be revealed that even in the red states that were assumed to be red, uh, like Texas, for example, that there was much more red going on than they had believed. And that, and even more so in the blue states like California, where there's rampant cheating going on. I'm, I'm convinced of that. 
that we, you know, California is not presently in play as one of the, the four states that are problematic in the election. Not at all, right? It's, you know, they, the Biden's got California. We're done. Thanks, thanks a lot. Have a nice day. No, it may very well be. And I'm saying this, I'm using, you know, um, uh, hesitating language. It may very well be that the Republicans actually won California. I know that that sounds like a, an out there statement, but in this particular election in 2020, Trump won by such a landslide, so much so that they had to engage in this massive uh, cheating that even their own Dominion software could not overtake. See, what they thought, and I'm going to use rough numbers here, I think that they thought that Trump was going to win by 2.5% points in this or that state, 3.5% in that state, and so on. And they calculated the Dominion software accordingly so that when it became clear that he was winning 2.5%, the Dominion software would kick in in such a way that it would just take over Biden over the top, that he would win by close to 1%. You see? Nice, convenient. So and that, that would paper ballots that they had to print after the election wouldn't be that many. And, and it wouldn't be that obvious, right? But, and, and it, but, it's, but instead... That, that's but it, an important thing to say because the Dominion people have admitted, oh, yeah, we always need paper ballots to back up what the machine says. Right, okay. That's the reason I say that. Yeah. So, so instead what happened, of course, is that Trump won by a lot more than they ever anticipated. Ohio is a good example. They, yeah, they thought it, it, cra- crazy percentages. Yeah. And it doesn't take uh, rocket science to notice that the Trump rallies and the enthusiasm involved were just out of the park. I've never seen anything like it in our lifetimes. Okay, we, we know what was really what. Biden did not win this election. We, we, by any stretch of the imagination, it's absurd. You've already heard, heard all these arguments. I don't want to repeat them again. But the gist of it being Biden, really, <laughs> won more, 80 million votes, far more than, than Obama ever won, even adjusting for an increase in the population. Really? Uh, no. No, it, it ain't happening. No one believes it, uh, especially with a, a man that is stuck in the basement who's a three-time loser running for the, uh, the presidency. Uh, the plagiarist, uh, the Ukraine situation. Nobody has any enthusiasm for, for Biden. Yeah, and, and, and it doesn't work. It's not enough to hate Trump that much. Right. And that these spikes only happened in five cities in four states. There's too many examples of yeah. it. So, so the point is that uh, no one believes it, and it's, it's going to happen that, that Trump will win. So what happened was that Trump had won so much that the Dominion software uh, kicked in but it didn't kick in enough. Oh my gosh! You know, it's it's a little bit like the the flood. You know, we, we put the levees, uh, the, you know, in order to anticipate for a certain amount of flood. Uh, but the flood is just too much. Now, what are you going to do, right? So, you have to race. You have to scramble. You have to create either more levees, one way or the other. But you are in desperation mode at that point, and you do whatever you can. You throw little kids on top of the the thing. You do whatever you need to do to stop the the flood from from breaching the levee. And uh, that they couldn't do. They just couldn't. So they ended up with this, these ballot dumps, which they never expected to have to do. Uh, they had these, uh, and everything got exposed. That's the point. All the, the weaknesses. Uh, use, use Hurricane Katrina as an example, right? Had Hurricane Katrina only, and I put only in quotes, been a Category 3 hurricane when it hit New Orleans, and the levees were enough to hold back the hurricane, 
no one would be talking about how weak the, the levees were. They were terrible, the levees. Uh, they were old-timey stuff. It was awful. But because it was a hurricane four or four and a half or whatever. Category five. It was category five at some point. Uh, because it was so much more dramatic than they anticipated, it revealed the horrible infrastructure of the levees. Same thing here. Okay, it, This overwhelming flood, if you will, of Trump votes revealed and exposed the uh, corruption of the Democrat Party and what they were really doing underneath. And now we know about the Dominion software. This is really bad stuff. And it ain't going to be handled by the Biden administration. We know that. So it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, a lot of things are going to happen. Now, I want to move on to another area, which, but related, of course, is where we are in terms of the legal uh, fight against the counting and such. There is one more legal case that has just been filed with the Supreme Court. I believe it was filed on Tuesday evening. Uh, this was from the state of Texas, and it was against the states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Uh, I don't know if it was also Arizona. No, just those four. Okay, so the four that I just mentioned. And then very quickly after that, uh, 17 other states joined. And maybe more will join after this podcast, as far as I know. But the point is 17. Uh, so we got a total of 18 states uh, suing these four states on, I, I believe, very correct grounds to say that, that what they did was a violation of the, um, uh, the due process clause and the electoral college clause in the Constitution. Um, uh, equal protection and so forth. And they're right. I mean, to the extent they screwed up their balloting and such, it has an impact on every, every other state. Uh, and, and we are, you know, Texas has standing to argue about this. Now, just before that, just before that, the Supreme Court unanimously denied a request for an injunction regarding Pennsylvania's certification, intended certification, which had been uh, reversed by the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Uh, the appellate Supreme Court had agreed with the Trump team that there should be an injunction. Pennsylvania Supreme Court reversed that. That went up to the California, uh, United States Supreme Court, and that turned everything around. And, and so the, the United States Supreme Court said, uh, we're not. We're, we're denying your writ in this case well, for, for the, the injunction. Expedited injunction, but they haven't denied the case. Breaking news: It's now up to 21 states. So oh. four more. Oh, wow, joined. that's great. So we got 20, a total of 21 states, including yeah. Texas. Okay. Yes. So that is pretty well. They wild. say the monster is growing. Wow. This is this is phenomenal. I mean, I'm glad to hear it only because I think, you know, the Supreme Court here needs to hear the voices of these states to know that we are all in on this. Uh, this is you cannot just sit idly by and and, you know, worry about, quote unquote, worry about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the the Biden administration. Yeah. It's anyway, one of those where the court needs to hear loud and clear. If they don't at least take the case and air it, big problems are coming. Right. Big problems. Okay. So. Now, going back to the rejection of the, uh, the injunction, the immediate injunction, I, I said it was nine to zero. Okay. Now, we know that Alito is very hot to trot on this, on this issue. He knows that there's been election fraud. We know that he's in our camp. And right? one of his orders for Pennsylvania. I know, I know. That I, I don't want to go. was I, ignored. So I, the point is, 
him denying that order is unusual in, in, in the vacuum of itself. I, I understand, and I'm going to explain that in a moment. Uh, so bear with me while I explain this, sorry. Uh, you know, as a lawyer, I, I, you know, I, I don't profess to be a, an expert in Supreme Court uh, procedure, but I do know enough to, to say that I understand how judges think in these departments. So Yeah, you stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I am a lawyer, though. <laughs> right. All right. So the uh, point is that Mark Levin, I, I love Mark Levin. I think he's very good. He's a fighter. Um, he's uh, maybe a little whiny from time to time, but by golly, he's very, very smart, right? Okay. Now, uh, there, there's, he was very upset about the rejection of the injunction, the immediate injunction, and he said uh, it was 9-0, uh, meaning it was unanimously rejected, and he felt that the reason why is that they were terrified of the Biden administration and that you know the Biden administ- the future Biden administration, and that they had um, their claws in each of the Supreme Court justices and they were acting out of fear and so on. And I, I was very surprised. I think I think he's absolutely wrong. They did the right thing to deny that injunction because they've got the Texas thing coming up. Now back to the Texas thing. Uh, they are taking it very seriously because the Texas lawsuit will make moot anything associated with the injunction issue in Pennsylvania. There's no reason for them to take up the injunction issue right now. Yeah, for one state when this case has four states. Exactly. And, and that is the reason why that they rejected it because they... And it's only for the time being. They're not, like, like we said already. So they could very well take it up later if and when the Texas Supreme uh, case against those states, and now 21 states against those four states, uh, is somehow denied. I don't think it will be. Yeah, but if it fails, you always have the Pennsylvania. You have the Pennsylvania thing. could be presidential and the other ones too, so. Okay, so now we know that as we speak, (laughs) literally, uh, the states of Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia have until... 45 minutes from right now as we are recording this podcast, because uh, it is 11.15 right now in the morning in California, they have noon our time in California by which to provide responsive briefing. Ari? <coughs> Let me clear my throat. <coughs> yes, throat. Yes. I don't know how the hell they're going to be able to explain me, Lucy, how the... <laughs> The shenanigans that happened on November 3rd and all the things that were revealed about what happened on November 3rd and then what happened after November 3rd uh, in the wee hours of the morning and, and not so wee hours of the morning of November 4, how they're going to be able to explain that. There is no way that the court, the Supreme Court, is going to say no to the writ of certiorari, first of all. I think they've already effectively agreed to it, but technically speaking, they can say, yes, we've read your opposition brief, and now upon reviewing it, we've decided not to take this matter up. Good luck to you all. No, it's possible, but not likely. And one more... They're going to hear this matter one way or the other, and they are going... This is going to be the poster child case um, upon which this election will be decided. The Supreme Court is going to look at this and because it's a, it's a matter of first impression. They don't have to now just look at the constitutionality issues because 
a fight between or among states is always heard in the Supreme Court of the United States as the court of first impression. What does that mean? Court of trial. Yeah, it means it's a court of trial. Just like, for example, during an impeachment, uh, the Supreme Court justice, uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presides over that trial, um, and it's and it literally takes into evidence in the same way that you would at a trial level. So, this is good news for us. Yeah, Very good news. And appeals, as you've always said, appeals usually look at procedures, not evidence. Here, they're hearing the evidence directly. That's right. And interrogating the parties directly. Yes, that's exactly right. So, that's going to be a very big problem for the Democrats. Yeah, and now, can I make one other very quick point, which has to do with, uh, in the Pennsylvania case, the state of Pennsylvania made a response in that case before the emergency injunction was rejected, and their their written response to the case was incredibly lame. They essentially said, because the law was broken, the law was broken, so please ignore it, course. <laughs> and so my feeling is, with the written response that is due in 44 minutes, and Pennsylvania is one of the states that could do no better with their previous written response, this, at least Pennsylvania's response is one of the defendants will be equally lame, and the other states will probably be equal in lameness. I agree. I agree. Look, it's, it's going to be very hard for these states to explain themselves. What are they going to do? They're going to say, well, MSNBC uh, right. said that there's no evidence, so therefore good enough for, for me. Look, no, I, by the way, do you know how accurate that is? Because the Attorney General of Michigan, Dana Nessel, was on MSNBC yesterday, and she said exactly that. Yeah, of course, of course. It was, look, I, I, I can't, so look as a lawyer, I can tell you that I have never had a case where when I'm the plaintiff, let's say, uh, and I say, Your Honor, I think there's a lot of evidence of fraud here and such like that, that, that the other side has not said, oh, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here, until there was something to see here, right? That, that is the, the, the par for the course. So don't be impressed when they say, he said this without any evidentiary backup whatsoever about this, right? And you say, what about, what about, what about? And it's not even what aboutism. It's the actual facts and evidence that they claim to want. And in one of those cases, Georgia, they have a video of OJ literally killing Nicole, <laughs> exactly. right? Oh, that was, those weren't suitcases. Those were, uh, those were, those you were know, ballot those were ballot boxes, don't no, you no, know? They weren't running those ballots through the machine three or four times. That was... That was thoroughness. Yes. Exactly. They, didn't, they didn't kick out media and Republicans, say we're stopping counting for the night and kept counting. It, it was something else. It's not what your lie and I saw. <laughs> of course. So it's going to be finally decided by the Supreme Court. That is going to be the hill to die on. Now, um, I, I hope, and this is where I'm going to leave it off with, I hope that although we have a supposedly, on, on paper, a 6-3 majority, we know that John Roberts is, uh, he lacks a backbone, shall we say. I could be more graphic about it, but we'll just use lacks a backbone for this PG-13 episode. We know, of course, that there are three uh, left-leaning justices, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan. But it would be nice if they can put aside their partisan hats and say, wait a minute, I am seeing what I'm seeing. And as much as I don't like it, as much as I despise this man named Donald Trump, fair is fair. He won this election. I, I think, Ari, that one of our Republican or conservative justices 
may abstain or may dissent against us, but one of the liberal justices will go along with us. And that might be Breyer or Kagan. I don't expect it from Sotomayor, but I do think that either Breyer or Kagan will go with us. I know that sounds like a shocker. And when you say one of the conservatives dissents, you're talking about Roberts, obviously. I am. I am. So we win 5-4 even with that. Even with, but... It's a a definite win anyway. But the only concern I have on the Republican side, on the conservative justice, you know, the the Trump appointee sides, um, is Kavanaugh. I'm confident that Coney Barrett will go our way. Confident that definitely that Clarence Thomas will go our way. Confident that uh, Gorsuch will go our way. Uh, less confident about Roberts. Um, big question mark as to Kavanaugh. Yeah, but we'll no see. Question about Alito, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Alito, of course. That's he's he's good. He's good yeah, to go. The reason I don't think Kavanaugh is going sideways on this is I don't think he likes Kamala Harris very much after what she did to him and his family. Ooh, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And I think, I think he will... And I think he'll leave ho- ho- the, ho- hold the on, hold on. out of the case. But. Hold, hold on. So the, the, it's, it's difficult because I, I want to make sure that I capture what you say, but I, I, we only have one microphone, as you may have noticed, a dear listener. The point is that Kavanaugh is, I think, a very judicious guy. And when he rules against the conservative position, it's not because he's seen a lot of facts and decided to ignore those facts. It's because he decides that there can be an argument made, you know, from a legal point of view on the other side, constitutionally and otherwise. But in this case, they're looking at facts, and it's very hard to ignore the flood of corruption that clearly happened before November 3rd, on November 3rd, and after November 3rd. That. I, I think you, it's going to be very, they're going to be very hard-pressed to argue otherwise. And I think not only that, but that the majority, whatever that might be comprised of, will ask one of the liberal justices, listen, for the sake of the country, I want you, let's say Justice Kagan, to, I want at least one of you to join in the majority. It is so important for the sake of the country. Uh, if, you, if you truly believe Injustice. If you truly believe in the supremacy of our democracy, our republic, then you should join with us for the sake of the country. Just like you would like to believe that we should somehow unite around Biden because for the sake of peace in the country. This is different. You need to see, call it out for what it is. You became a Supreme Court justice because you truly believe in the majesty of this great American republic. For better or for worse... It's not about who you want to win, but who did win. The the will of the people has spoken, and they have spoken loudly. And that's why I want you, Justice Kagan, or Justice Breyer, or Justice Sotomayor, for that matter, Justice Roberts, to be on board with this very important decision, which, which will dramatically affect the direction of this country for decades if not centuries to come. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk with you next week.